worship today. Amen. Man, that was good. Woo. Man, uh, give, hey, give it up for our praise team and our production team. They always do such a great job. They really got after it today. It was awesome just to, man, just to see how the hard work they put in. But they do that so that they have the opportunity to lead you guys to the throne of grace. The practice and the time that they put in is to invest in someone else. Man, I love that. And so I just appreciate all that these guys do. Today we start a new series, start uh, right on the money. And, uh, Man, everybody really loves to talk about money, don't they? Some people do. Everywhere but church, it seems. Uh, so anyway, uh, so right on the money. So how many guys would like to be rich? Keep it real. Anybody who would like to be rich? Raise your hand. Man, everybody's hand in the room. How many guys know somebody that's rich? Raise your hand. All right, we know somebody that's rich. How many of y'all think y'all could do more with the money that they have? Raise your hand. Be honest. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's the way we tend to think sometimes. And so all of us want to be rich. And so a lot of us even think, hey, man, if I was rich, I would do more for the kingdom of God. How many of you guys think that? Raise your hand. Yeah, no, oh, hands got a little thinner. What's going on here, man? You want to be rich, but all of a sudden you don't want to do more for the kingdom of God. What's up with that? So, uh, so anyway, that's our, our, our mentality. You know, hey, I, I, we want to be rich, you know, and we want to, we want to literally make a difference sometimes. But, man, rich, where, what is rich? And so that was one of my questions uh, this week was, you know, how much, how much is rich? And, and so I've, I've been doing some research trying to figure that out, you know, and some of you guys might be wondering, well, how much is rich? And, and so a couple of things that I read, one was if you make $30,000, if you were to make $70,000, you felt you would feel like you were rich. And for somebody who makes $50,000, if they were to make $100,000, they would consider themselves rich. Now, here's the thing is, it's almost like, you know, it's a moving target, like it's a little bit out there. But it's always a little bit more than what what you make, or more than what you've got, and in some cases, double what you make. So the question was asked to those who make a hundred thousand dollars, you know, six-figure income. You know, hey, how much would you consider to be rich? And their their, their comment was five uh, five million dollars in assets. So the whole language changes. You know what I'm saying? I mean, whenever you get to that level, and, and so I I was asking my my boys. I asked uh, my my son Hunter. He's a he's in investments and. And so I was asking him, I said, hey, man, how much is rich? And he goes, it's all about perspective. I said, I get that. I said, but what do you think is rich? He goes, well, if you got, you know, $3 million or whatever it was, however many millions of dollars in the bank, he said, you can live off the interest of that, making $150,000 a year if you're wise with your money. I said, all right, so how much is rich? He goes, a whole bunch of money. And I said, okay, all right. And, and so, so here's the thing is we often, you know, you know, we look at rich and we'll say, well, that's, that's rich. And there's people that I know that I would consider really rich that they say, you know, that, that guy has got money on a whole nother level. That is a whole nother level of rich. But the thing is, and here's the good news and the bad news, we are rich. We are rich. And, and so if you drove, you know, to, to work, I mean, to, to the church today, if you drove here, you're in the top 15% of the world. You may not consider that because here in America, you know, we don't always consider ourselves wealthy or rich. But whenever you compare it to the rest of the world, we're rich. So if you drove here today, anybody... Who, who drove here today? Yeah, just about all of us, right? So we're in the top 15% of the wealth of the world. So we drove here. And, and, and so, you know, we, we, we drove here. Many of us, you know, we, we, we've had food to eat. We've got food in the pantry. You know, we've got plenty. And, uh, you know, the thing is, is we will, you know, we'll have, we'll have food today. Some of you guys are already thinking about food. You're already thinking about lunch, where you're going to go. You're already figuring out what restaurant you're going to go to. 
And so, I'm, so you're going to pay someone to cook that meal, take care of you, and all that kind of stuff. And so you are already thinking about that meal. Now that I've talked about it, you're probably thinking about it even more, right? And uh, so the thing is, is we are rich, and, and it's, it's, it's one of those things that you just got to be willing to embrace. But oftentimes, we don't want to admit that we're rich, or we don't want to say that we're rich, because it almost sounds, you know, haughty, right? You know, and so if somebody were to say, hey, listen, man, you've got a great marriage, you would be like, man, thank you. You know, we, we really work at it. We date each other. We, we plan dates. We try to spend time together. And so if someone said, hey, man, you, you really look great, you know, uh, physically, you really, you know, have you been working out? Have you been losing? Well, yeah, as a matter of fact, I have, you know, and you're like, thank you for noticing. And so, but if someone says, man, you're rich, like, no, no, I'm not rich. I'm not rich. Man, we're barely getting by. What are you talking about? So we don't view ourselves as rich. All of a sudden, we want to play it down. And why do we do that? Why do we do that? Is it because, hey, we, you know, if they know that I'm rich, they're going to ask me for money, Right. You know, and you know how that is. You don't, like, if someone were to ask, hey, how much money do you have in your wallet? A lot of y'all would not want to tell anybody because you'd be afraid they would ask for money, right? You're the only one laughing, Joe. What's that about? What, why are you the only one laughing? Because you know it's true, right? All right. Everybody else is like, I'm not saying anything. He might ask how much money I've got in my wallet. You know, so, so that, that's the thing is we don't want everybody to know. We play it down. We even play the poor old me. I've, I've, I have a relative who what we would call is a poor mouther. Does anybody know what a poor mouther is? They're always talking about how hard it is and how they're struggling. They own, th- they own hundreds of acres of land. They've got all kinds of stuff going on, but yet they are struggling. I mean, they're just not sure if they're going to make it. You know what I'm saying? I mean, it almost sounds like they're one foot in the grave. And they're a poor mouther. They're always playing down what they have. And if they, if they were just to step back and look, they're blessed beyond measure. But a lot of times, we're just like that. Oh, I'm not rich. I'm not rich, but we are rich. And so look at what the Bible says. I love this. It says, and it is a good thing to receive wealth from who? From God. And the good health to enjoy it, to enjoy your work and accept your lot in life. This is indeed a gift from God. And so here's the thing. is Why would we play down a gift from God? Why would we want to sit there and go, you know what? I, mean, I don't want anybody to think I'm rich. I don't want anybody to look at me, and I, I don't feel rich. And so here's the thing is, you know, again, like my son said, maybe it's perspective. You say, well, Mike, I may be rich in the world's eyes, but I'm not rich in our community's eyes. I'm not rich in the standards that are here in America. But I would say that we are still rich. You know, how many guys have got closets? Anybody got closets? Raise your hand if you've got a closet. All right, look, just about everybody's got closets. Have you got stuff in those closets? Are any of those closets overflowing like you have to push it in and shut the door? Anybody be honest? Yeah. Does anybody got storage buildings outside that have got stuff? Does anybody have attics that have stuff that you don't even remember what's up there anymore? Anybody just, you know what I'm saying? I mean, we've got stuff, right? And so we have lots of stuff, and it's almost like there's always need for more. You know, we, we, we always want a little bit more. So here's the good news. You are rich. We are rich. You know, and so that's the good news. But the Bible says again, let me read it again. And it is a good thing to receive wealth from God and the good help to enjoy it. To enjoy your work and accept your lot in life, this is indeed a gift from God. And so what we have to be willing to do is say, you know what, God, I am rich. I mean, I've, I've got food in the pantry. And some of you guys have got food in there that, you know what, it's probably out of date. You know, and if you were to go through there, you'd probably throw away a whole garbage bag full of food that is... It's, it's out of date because you've had so much other food to eat, you haven't even eaten that yet. You know, and we would say, 
well, man, you know, I, I just never, I didn't know that was back there. I didn't know it was, you know, it was too far back in the cupboard or whatever. And, and so the thing is, is we've got food in the pantry. My son, Christian, I had the same conversation with him. I asked him, I said, hey, listen, I said, what do you consider rich? Uh, Christian is my young son. He's upstairs running one of the cameras right now. And, and I said, uh, I said, what do you consider rich? He goes, well, it's, he goes, there's different levels of rich. I said, I get that. I said, I'm asking you, do you consider yourself rich? He goes, well, I don't know if I consider myself rich. I said, well, you are. You know, and so we kind of started talking through things. I said, I was just in your car. I said, and in your car, there's like a ton of coins and chains sitting there. He goes, that's where I put it. I said, I know. I said, but according to the, you know, the standard of the world, if you've got change in your car in an ashtray, you know, on a counter, on a, on a dresser or whatever, you are among some of the wealthiest in the world because you have extra money laying around. That hits close to home, doesn't it? And he goes, well, I don't really feel like I would consider myself rich. He said, but on the world center, I guess so. And so yesterday he sent me a text. He said, hey, can I go to the fair? I said, rich people go to the fair. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> but here, here's the thing is, if you've been to the fair, you have to be rich, it feels like. You know what I'm saying? I mean, it can eat you up money-wise. And uh, so to get in and then to eat the food. And uh, if you're going to go to the fair, you have to eat the bad food, you know. And so it's just part of it. But the thing is, is rich, being rich. You know, what is rich? And so if we can embrace the fact, you know what, I am rich. I am rich. If you've got multiple pairs of shoes in your closet, probably rich. I see y'all looking at each other now. But if you've got clothes in there, if you've got stuff in there, you know, you're rich. You know, and, and so we've we got to be willing to embrace that and say, you know what, I am rich. And it's okay. And so that's, that's the statement there. It says it's, it's not something to be ashamed of. It's not something to be ashamed of. To go, you know what, I am rich. And, and, and God, you have blessed me. And I would say that if we would look at it that way, say, God, you have blessed me. You have, been, you have trusted me with this. God, I want to be a good manager of this. I want to be a good steward of the resources and the things that you have given me. And so, God, thank you for blessing me. And so I would, I would just say to all of us, it would probably be a good thing for us just to embrace that and say, you know what? I am rich. I am rich. So let's say that together. One, two, three, I am rich. Let me do it again. That was kind of slow. One, two, three, I am rich. And we are rich. And not not to be ashamed of it, but go, you know what, God, thank you for trusting me, for blessing me, you know, for, for putting these things in my life. And so, God, I, I thank you that you trusted me with that. And we're going to see that, you know, he, he has given us trust. So the good news is, is that we are rich. The bad news is, is we are what? We're rich. You're like, dang, that's catch 22. All right, so here's the thing. We are rich. That's a good thing. Especially if we do it and we handle that and we embrace that the way that God desires for us to do that. But it's a bad thing if we allow the world standard to be what that is measured by. And so Jesus said it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to get into heaven. That's the bad news. Because what happens is a lot of times this stuff and this money and the love of money, I should say, all becomes idols in our life and literally becomes the god of our life and we live to make more money rather than living to honor god living to expand the kingdom living to make a difference in the lives of others we live for money and it becomes our god it becomes our idol and so the bad news is is that money or the love of money i should say can become what causes us to struggle to, to, to not experience some of the fruits of the Spirit because we're not led by the Spirit, we're led by the flesh. We're not lining up with God's Word, we're lining up with the world's claims. And so what happens is too often we, we kind of lose sight of what God has blessed us with and we focus on wanting something more. 
And so Jesus addressed um, this. We, uh, you know, and, and this, the second thing here, this is my favorite statement. People get funny when you talk about money. Only in church. Now, if, let me just tell you though, if I were to say, hey, listen, guys, I, I've, got a, I've got an opportunity where you can double your money. Y'all would be all ears, <laughs> and you would probably be taking notes, and you'd be like, hey, I want to talk to you afterwards, okay? Um, but if I said, hey, I've got a way to double your money, all of a sudden you've got your interest. But a lot of times whenever you talk about money in church, people start acting funny. They start going like, why did you invite me today? I mean, why, why, am, I, why am I here today? Because here's the thing, I can talk on sex. And, and people are okay with that. You know, isn't that cool? And I can talk about marriage. I can talk about, you know, parenting. I can talk about all kinds of things. And, man, people are like, amen, go on, Pastor Mike. You got, you got it. You're right. That, yeah. But whenever you start talking about money, it's like it gets real quiet. So people do act funny when you talk about money because here's the thing. And I used to joke, you know, we often used to keep our wallet back here in our, our back pocket, but it's almost like we need to keep it right here because it gets real dear to the heart when we start talking about money. We even talked about it as staff. Hey, what if we gave a little heart sticker and we had everybody put it on their wallet as a reminder? Hey, you know, you know what? Be careful where your heart is. I mean, that's not a bad idea. So we, y'all may get a sticker. I don't know. But here's the thing is we, we've got to be willing to say, God, I don't want to act funny about money. I want to be right. I want to be right. And so Jesus taught us how to be right on the money. And so look at what it says in Luke twelve fifteen. It says, then he said, beware, guard against every kind of greed. Life is not measured by how much you own. Ah, that's good. Then he said, beware. Now, when I see beware, what do you guys think? Do you think like caution? Hey, hey guys, watch out. Be careful here. So Jesus is saying, hey, beware. You know, like I, like I think about beware of dog. Do you all ever think about that? You know, if you ever walk into a yard and you open up the gate and it's got a sign that says beware of dog, man, my head's on a pivot. You know, I'm looking like how big is this dog? You know, you know how, 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 how big are his teeth? You know, how aggressive is he going to be? You know, and, and so I'm looking for that dog. Well, Jesus said, hey, beware. Beware. And so I think for us as Christians, as believers, you know, we ought to go like, all right, on alert. All right, let's pay attention to what he's fixing to say here. And, and, and so that's what he's saying. Hey, listen, beware. Guard against every kind of greed. So Jesus speaking here. Say, hey, listen, beware. So your head goes on a pivot. Guard your heart against every kind of greed. Why? Because it will rob you of true life. It will rob you of abundant life. It will rob you of the peace that passes understanding. It will rob you of the fruits of the Spirit. And so he's saying, listen, be, be aware, guys, be aware. And then, hey, guard against every kind of greed. Life is not measured by how much you own. Man, that is truth. That's Jesus speaking. And he's talking to us, you know, he's talking to us as believers. He's talking to the guys. He's saying, hey, listen, guys, be careful, beware, man, that you don't get caught up in this trap. Beware that you don't get lured into this greed of wanting more and more and more. And and so he's saying, hey, listen, man, be careful. And he tells a story. So then he told them a story. A rich man had a fertile farm that produced fine crops. And he said to himself, what should I do? I don't have room for all my crops. Then he said, I know. I'll tear down my barns and build bigger ones. Then I'll have room enough to store all my wheat and other goods. And I'll sit back and say to myself, My friend, you have enough stored away for years to come. Now take it easy, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, You fool, you will die this very night. Then who will get everything you've worked for? Yes, a person is a fool to store up earthly wealth, but not have a rich relationship with God. 
That's the teachings of Jesus. And it, I love the way that uh, the NIV says it. it says, this is how it will be for whoever, with, with whoever stores up things for themselves but is not rich toward God. And, and so, you know, and I know for many of us, we, we go through life wanting to make more money. We go, you know, we, we get educations. We do certain things to try to make more money so that we can provide for our family, so that we can do things that we want to do. We can go places we want to go. We have bucket lists, right? Everybody has bucket lists. And so we want to be able to go do this or own this or buy this or live here. You know, and so what happens is we go through life working towards that. And what Jesus said, hey, listen, that's not how life is measured. But we think, because that's what the world says. The world says, hey, the more stuff you have, the happier you'll be. The more things you acquire, the more money you have, the more happy you will be. And so that is what the world is continually pumping into our head. That is what is on your TV all day long, every day. That is what is on the radio. That's what advertisements are about. You need this product. You need this. You need that. You know, and wouldn't you like to have this? And so it's over and over. And so Jesus said, hey, listen, man, let me, and let me read it again. Guard against every kind of greed. Life is not measured by how much you own. But too often in our culture, it is that way. We're measured like, has he achieved? Has he, has he really reached his potential? Man, because look at what he's been able to do. You know, and, and so when we look back at this, Jesus is making it clear. This guy had plenty. I mean, it says he had a fine farm. I mean, he had a fine farm. He had a fine harvest. You know, and so he, he, he just had all kinds of, of stuff uh, you know, accumulated up. And so he said, you know what I'll do? He said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tear down what I've got. And I'm going to build bigger, bigger barns to be able to put all my stuff in there and this wheat. And I'll be able to sit back and kind of enjoy it. It kind of sounds like retirement, doesn't it? And see that everybody in this room, when we talk about retirement, we think about, well, one day I hope to retire. But let me just tell you, biblically, that's not what the Bible teaches. That's the American dream. I get that. But there's only one passage I th- that I can think of in Scripture that deals with retirement, and it's actually for a priest in the the levitical line he retires at 50 but actually it doesn't talk about retiring now we all said you know what i grew up thinking hey at 65 i'm going to retire that is the american dream that is the world's mentality and i know that many of you guys are working to get there and you can't wait to get 65 but here's what i'm saying is that is the world's plan but what the bible says is that, that work is a good thing and that we work now, we, here's the thing. We might be able to do a different style of work or a different kind of work, and we might be able to give more time towards those things that do last for eternity if we've managed our resources well. You know, it's often a joke. I mean, I don't, when I retire, I guess I'm going to be at Walmart welcoming everybody to Walmart. You know, but the thing is, is really the Bible says that we're to work. It's part of what keeps your body moving. You know, we often say if you stop doing, you start dying. You know, and too often it's about, hey, I've got I've to get to the point where I don't have to do anything else. Really what you're wanting to say is I want to get to the point where I can do whatever I want to do when I want to do it, right? But the thing is, is we, we often buy into the world's mentality. Hey, I, it's all about retirement. It's all about, I'm going to save it up, I'm going to save it up. And some people won't live to retirement. Well, who gets all that retirement? Well, I guess my, my family will get it. You know, however, and that's what Jesus was saying. You be careful what you, what you, uh, what you, put your, you invest your time in. And look at what the statement says. The world says what you don't have is what you need. The world says what you don't have is what you need. Like there's some of you in this room that you think, hey, you know what? I, if I can get this next thing, I'll be happy. You know, and how many of you guys have had that 
kind of feeling. I know I have. There's been times like, you know, if I had that, I mean, I think I would feel pretty good about, you know, I'd, I'd be in a good place. I'd, I'd feel better. I, I want that. You know, and then you get that, and it's like, all right, where did that feeling go? I thought it was going to happen. Anybody ever, hear, ever had buyer's regret? You know, I, I have had buyer's regret many, many times. One of the times that sticks out the most to me is Laurie and I were living in Dallas, and I was a youth pastor at a church, and, and, uh, and anyway, my wife was driving a Honda Civic, a little hatchback, and I thought, you know what, and it was older, and I was like, you know, I want to get her a new car. And, uh, and so I thought, I want to bless my wife with a new car. I want to get her something nice. And, and so I thought, well, I'll, I'll sell my, my, I had a Nissan pickup, a little five-speed, only like $135 a month type deal to pay for it. It's the only new vehicle I'd ever bought. And I thought, you know what, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to trade that in. I'm going to get her this uh, newer car. And so we started looking around. We found one. We, uh, we decided on the Mazda 626. And so I trade in my truck, and I get her this vehicle. And we get home, and I'm talking about like the next day, I'm thinking, what in the heck was I thinking? Man, I, I just gave up my truck. I don't really like that car that much. I mean, what was I, I mean, it was like instant buyer's regret. And then, you know, Laurie wasn't really crazy about the car. And whenever you would drive, it was like, you know, if you hit any kind of water, it was going to hide your plane. It was so light or whatever. And we, and we were constantly, I mean, I don't like the car. I, don't like, I was like, well, let's sell it. Let's get rid of it. And I thought, we'll never get our money out of it. But we did. God showed his grace. And we were able to get out of that. And I was like, man, you know what? We're not buying another new vehicle ever. And, um, and, and so here's the thing is, I had instant buyer's regret. I thought, when I get this, I'm going to feel good about it. I was like, man, I missed my truck. Why in the world did I get rid of my truck? You know? and, and, and so it was one of those things where I thought it was going to feel a certain way, but it didn't. And there's other times whenever I'll buy something, I'll like, you know what? I've got the money. I'm going to get that. And then I'll buy it. And it's like, why did I buy that? I wonder if I can get my money out of it now. You know, can I, hey, can I get rid of it? Can I, can I do something different? Or have you ever bought something you think you just got to have that and you buy it and it stays in a doggone package, you never even open it up? Anybody ever done that? Am I the only one that's done that? Yeah. And you're like, why did I buy that? Why did I, why did I put that money on that? I could have put it on something better. You know, but that's what we do because we have this mentality. The world says what you don't have is what you need. That's not what Jesus says. That's not what Jesus says. But that's what the world says. And here's the thing. We buy into that. And so many of us live under the curse of money, the love of money. Now, money is just a tool. That's all it is. Money is just a tool. There's nothing wrong with money. It's the love of money, the desire of money, the worship of money, the chasing after money that robs us of life. And, and so what happens is we make it about, hey, I've got I to have more, and, and it becomes a curse. There, there are families that have been affected in this room, I guarantee you, because of chasing after money. There are dads... They said, I've got to make more money so that I can make my kids happy. I've got to make more money so I can make my wife happy. So he's always at work and he's never at home. He's never with his family. He's never with his kids. He doesn't get to go to ball games. He doesn't get to go to you know, things because he's working trying to make more money so he can buy more stuff for his kids. And what he sacrifices relationships and time with his family to make more what? Money. So what happens is the love of money becomes this curse in our life. And we're always chasing a little bit more. And, you know, and, and, it's, and it's like I said, it's a moving target. Like, well, when I get to this point, I'll be rich. And when I get to this point, I'll be rich. When I get to this point, I'll be rich. And it's always like it's a moving target. And so there are families that are affected. There's, you know, there's relationships that are wrecked because of the curse of the love of money. Next statement there says, but most of us believe more will make us happy. You know, we, we buy into that. We think, well, if I, if I make more money, it'll make my marriage work. 
And I'm just telling you, that's not the way that works. I do realize that finances are a huge part of the stress that's in a marriage. There are three things. We always talk about communication, intimacy, and, uh, and finances are really the three major components, it seems like, or the major uh, issues that you run into where people end up moving towards divorce or they, the relationship is strained in marriage. And I know there's some wives in here thinking, hey, if we made more money, our marriage would be better. But I'm just telling you, there's deeper issues. It's not more money. Here's the thing. You make more money, you what? You spend more money. And, and so what happens is we think, hey, if I make more money, my, my kids will do better. They'll make better grades in school. I can pay for a tutor or whatever. And so I understand just fine. But we often think more money will fix everything. More money will give me a better relationship with my kids. More money will give me this. And really, it's the deeper issues. And I think sometimes what we do is we end up thinking, you know what? The deeper issues, they need more money. No, no, no. The deeper issues need to be dealt with. And so most of us believe more will make us happy. Look at what it says here. What we don't need is more temporal, and what we do need is what is eternal. See, most of us in this room, myself included, we're constantly battling this thing called the flesh, this stuff that hangs on our bones here. And it's always wanting more. We think, well, if I get more of this or more of that, I'll be happy. And this is all temporal stuff. You know, we, we joke about, you know, tre- being trendy. I'm not trendy. I'm not a trendy person. I pretty much wear what my wife buys. She says, hey, I got you a new shirt. I say, okay, cool, thanks. I'll wear it. You know, so I, I'm not a trendy person, so I don't really follow fads and stuff like that. But somebody sent me some socks some some kind of crazy socks well i don't wear crazy socks pastor daniel does so if y'all want to send some crazy socks into pastor daniel so somebody gave gave me some crazy socks and you know he's got them with ham and eggs on it and everything like that and uh and so you know and, and i it's kind of a it's kind of a trendy thing among pastors and stuff you know kind of hip cool pastors i guess i'm not one of them and uh and so they're wearing these crazy socks or whatever and uh anyway so they gave them to me but I'm like, you know, I'm, I'm just not a trendy kind of guy. But here's the thing is, you know, we get caught up in trendy type stuff, and, and we don't even have to worry about rust or moth destroying some things. You know, y'all, y'all, some of y'all have got clothes that you go in and, hey, listen, that's out of style. I can't wear that anymore. Some of y'all got fall clothes you want to wear right now, right? But you can't why? Because it's so hot. Man, it's 90 degrees in October. But we did get rain. Praise God. Amen. Woo, got some rain. All right. We finally got some rain. But here's the thing is there's things that happen. We get, you know, trends, well, hey, that's not cool anymore. That's not popular anymore. You know, and, or, hey, and we invest in these things that will not last. And so what happens is we get so caught up in the temporal, and it's only, temporal means it's temporary. It's only here for a season. That could be a, that could be a fad. It could be a car. You know, I, I saw someone yesterday, what we used to call a land barge. Somebody pulled up in a big old Lincoln. Man, I'm talking about it was like one of the big Lincoln Town cars. Y'all remember those? I mean, it, I mean, it's like a barge pulling in. I don't even know how he got into the parking lots they have now. But I was sitting there, sitting there going, man, that car is old. But back in the day, that was the car to have. But you know what? Time has passed it by. It's no longer that way. And, and, and so things come. So temporary things. So we will, we will sell our soul for temporary stuff. You know, the latest iPhone came out. And so you, I have to have that new iPhone. Why? Well, this, that, that, there's a new one. Does that one still work? Yeah. Does it still take pictures? Yeah, good pictures. But I need that new one because that's the latest, greatest, right? And that's a constant drive. And it goes back to the curse of the love of money. Our stuff drives us down that road. And what we don't need, and I'm just saying what we don't need is more temporal stuff. What we need, to have, what we need in our lives is eternal things, the fruits of the Spirit. 
love, joy, peace, patience, kindness. You go down the list. Those are the things we need. But what we're wanting sometimes is just temporal stuff. So, so here's something we need to understand. To whom much is given, much will be required. In Luke 12, 47 through 48, it says, And a servant who knows what the master wants, but isn't prepared and doesn't carry out those instructions, will be severely punished. So, you know, a lot of people don't like to hear, you know, hey, you're going to get in trouble. Hey, is God going to hold me accountable for things? Yes, he will. I tell people all the time, I'll have to give an account of what I teach. I'll have to stand before God and give an account of what I've taught in my lifetime. That is daunting for me. Now, here's the thing. I love God. I love the fact that he offers grace and that he offers forgiveness. But there, here's the thing, that I'll have to give an account of what I've taught. And so I want to teach God's Word. Because I know if I teach God's Word, you know what? It lines up with Him. But look at what it says. It says, And a servant who knows what the Master wants but isn't prepared and doesn't, doesn't carry out those instructions will be severely punished. But someone who does not know and then does something wrong will be punished only lightly. In other words, showing a little bit more grace there. But it says, When someone has, has been given much, much will be required in return. And when someone has been entrusted with much, even more will be required. So all of us in this room while ago said we're rich, right? So what that tells me is that we will be held accountable to say, hey, you know what, what have we done with what we've been given? And it says, hey, you know what, much more is, is required. And so God is saying, hey, listen, there's more than required. And like I said, too many times we think, all right, more is going to make things better, but it doesn't work that way. More money doesn't save my marriage. More money doesn't save my kids. More money doesn't save, you know, uh, deal with the deeper issues. It is me getting more of God. More of Christ in my life. Let me just say this. We've got some, we've got man camp this weekend. And there's a, I know there's a lot of men sitting in here. And I want to challenge these men. Men, if you would, I want to challenge you to join us for man camp. You know what we're going to, we're going to give? We're, we're hoping that there's going to be more Jesus for all of us, that we're going to be teaching about Christ and how he wants to impact your life. He wants to lead you. He wants to lead you to lead your family. To wives, if you can get him there, get him there. Hey, listen, honey, I will pay for you if you'll go. But I'm just telling you, men, we want you to be there. We want to literally fall in love with Christ this weekend. We want to talk about intimacy with God. What does that look like? What does it mean to be have, have an intimate relationship with God? It's not about just a bunch of do's and don'ts. It's about relationships. And so if you can be there, if you can, y'all, I don't care if you pull out your phone right now and register online, go to My Journey Church and get on there. We want you men there. Because I believe if the men's hearts gets right, it will affect the family. And if it affects the family, it will affect the church. And if it affects the church, and here's the thing, the church will affect the community. And so God wants us to be a part of that. And so if you haven't signed up for man camp, man, I want, I want to encourage you to be there. And here's the thing, we want to get more of Christ, the eternal things, and to be focused on that. And this, I love this next statement, if our heart is right, the money is right. If our heart is right, the money is right. And let me, let me just say this, I know earlier... I said, hey, listen, how many of you guys feel like if you were rich, you would do more for the kingdom? And I know we all think we would, but the reality is we most likely wouldn't. The reality is, is that we would most likely handle it the same way. And this is exactly what Jesus says. He says, if you are faithful in little things, you'll be faithful in large ones. But if you are dishonest in little things, you won't be honest with greater responsibilities. And if you're untrustworthy with, about worldly wealth, who will trust you with the true riches of heaven? And if you are not faithful with other people's things, why should you be trusted with the things of your own? No one can serve two masters, for you will hate one and love the other. You will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and be enslaved to money. He's speaking to us as believers. So the question is, is who are we enslaved to? See, as a believer, I am a bondservant of Christ. 
I, I have chose to lay down my life. I have asked Christ to forgive me of my sins, to literally to, to, to redeem me. And because he has forgiven me, I have surrendered my life to him and said, Jesus, I want to live for you. I want to make a difference for you. I, I want to make a difference in the kingdom of God. So, God, I am, I am your servant. I'm a slave. I'm a bond servant of Christ. And, and so what it says there, Jesus says, hey, listen, you become a servant to the king of kings or you become enslaved to money. And, and so we've got to be able to say, God, I, I want my heart right. And here's what I love is whenever we put our faith in Christ and we, we confess our sins, He is faithful and just. He will forgive us of all of our unrighteousness. If we repent of our sins and turn to Him, He says, well, you know what? You're, you're, you're part of my family. He invites us into His family. And He will bless us. And here's the thing, He will use us to make a difference. And so when I look at that, if my heart is right, if I'm making, if I'm making, if i got $20, I'll do the right thing. If I've got $200, I'll do the right thing. Why? Because my heart is right. And so if we want to be right on the money, and Jesus taught, taught us how to be right on the money, he says, make sure your heart's right. Because if your heart is corrupt, if your heart is sinful, if your heart is greedy, remember he said, beware, guard your heart. Man, guard against all kinds of greed. You know, here's, here's what he's saying. If your heart is right, it doesn't matter how much you make, it will be right. It doesn't matter how much you bring in, you'll do the right thing. And so I just want to challenge us. Jesus said, hey, listen, guard against this. Guard against loving money. Guard against, you know, make, you know, making plans and not being rich towards God. And so the last one here is let, let's, let's experience true life. And I love this, this passage here out of 1 Timothy 6, 6 17 through 19. It says, teach those, teach those who are rich in the world. All right, is that, didn't we just say a while ago we're all rich? You know what it said? How come y'all getting quiet now? Right? So we all said we're rich, right? So I'm teaching you guys, that's what the Bible tells us to do, is teach those who are rich. So I'm teaching y'all who are rich. Teach those who are rich in this world not to be proud and not to trust in their money, which is so unreliable. Their trust should be in God, who richly gives us all we need for our enjoyment. Tell them, I'm telling y'all, tell them to use their money to do good. They should be rich in good works and generous to those in need, always being ready to share with others. By doing this, they will be storing up their treasure as a good foundation for the future so that they may experience true life. Life is not measured by what you own. Life is measured by what you give. Is that not awesome? So, so it's not by what I own. It's what I give. And so, hey, Jesus, hey, listen, hey, listen, make sure that, you know what, you don't sit here and hoard things. You don't become greedy, and you're just trying to pull all you can. It's like we, it's like we say, you know what, this is all mine, and we just kind of keep pulling it all in. This is all mine. And we hoard it, and we're like, you're not getting my stuff. And Jesus tells us, hey, listen, give it away if you can. Bless others. You know, invest in the lives of others. Hey, if that guy needs a jacket, man, give him a shirt. Too. Give him whatever he needs. And so what many of us do, we use the excuse of, I, I don't know what they'll do with it. They might use it to buy drugs. They might use it to buy alcohol. They might, they might really don't need it. They'll probably make more money than I do. But what the Bible says, hey, listen, if somebody has need, bless them. Give. We're, we're never more like, like God than when we give. God gave his only son that, that we might live. He gave his son Jesus. Jesus gave his life on the cross so that we might live. And so our mentality ought to be, you know what, God? I'm a follower of Christ, and I want to give. I want to bless. I want to invest in the kingdom. I want to make a difference. Not that I'm hoarding stuff and, and just being greedy. Some of the richest people I know are some of the most miserable people. They have everything. 
And there, there's plenty of times when we, we drive down the road and we go, man, I, I'd love to live there. Like, look at that big house on the hill. Look at that big lake. Look at all that stuff. You know, and we go, man, I wish I had that. And here's the thing, we covet that. We covet what our neighbor has. And we don't know, but that guy may be sitting up there miserable. Miserable. If you got all that, you've got to cut the grass, right? I mean, who wants to cut all that grass? But you're thinking, hey, man, he's probably got the money. He pays somebody to do it. But we always want what someone else has sometimes. And Jesus said, hey, listen, don't want, give. Don't want, just sit here and say, hey, what, I need more, but say, what can I give away? And so he, he commands us, equips us, and empowers us to do more. He commands us, he equips us, and he empowers us to do more. Jesus wants us to do more. He wants us to make a difference in the lives of people. He wants us as a church to make a, make a difference in the lives of the community. He wants us to make a difference in the lives of those that are surrounding the very shadow of the steeple. And so, so Jesus wants us to do more. And so I want to I challenge you guys. Hey, are you willing to do more? I want to do more. I want to do more than what I've been doing. I, and I hope that we understand, you know what, God has, he has gifted us. He has blessed us with plenty. We are rich. And so our mentality, you know, God, I want to do more. I want to give to the kingdom. I want to invest in the kingdom. And so let me just say something that I think would be cool. What if we were to go home today and we look and we pull that closet door open that all that stuff's going to come falling out of and we say, hey, listen, guys, as a family, let's sit down. Let's find out what we can, we can give away. Let's go through here. You know what? We got jackets we can't even wear. Around. And some of you guys have gotten fat and you can't wear those pants anymore. Just go ahead and give them away. You won't lose that weight. If you lose weight, buy some more. You know, but here's the thing. Go ahead and just say, you know what? I'm giving this away. I'm giving this away. I'm giving this away. And say, you know what? I don't need it. But somebody does. And there may be somebody that needs a jacket. There may be somebody that needs gas money. There may be somebody that needs food. You know, we, like I said, we go through our pantry, you know, and everything's out of date, you know, and we have to throw it away. What if we were to start giving food away? Otaga Interfaith down here, a great ministry that we partner with, that we invest in every month. You know, what if you were to go down and get all the clothes and say, you know what, we're going to go down, we're going to bless them, they're going to bless people. Or maybe there's somebody that you say, you know what, you, you're looking at attic and there's stuff in there that you don't ever use. You say, you know what, I don't need that. What if I were to give that to somebody? What if I were to give that to somebody that I know needs it? You know, and, and so instead of hoarding stuff, what if we start giving stuff? Look at the next one here. We have the Big Give offering that allows us to do more. Last year we took up $63,000, most we've ever taken up. We were able to do some incredible things. We would help uh, Pastor Dwayne with his, his church plant. We would help uh, Pastor Chris Baker up in Montana with a church plant. They're, they just celebrated three years. We've been helping them for three years. And so through that, we were able to support missionaries all over the world. We do local missions, foreign missions. We are able to drill water wells where people don't have pure drinking water. You talk about rich? Man, you can go take a 30-minute shower. And there's some people that have to walk five miles to pump muddy water into a, in a tub and carry it back on their head just so they can have something to cook in. And, and so we are rich. And so instead, you know, so that, that whole big give is to bless people. It's just to give. And my thing is I believe that God wants us to do more. I told our staff this past week, I was sharing with them just the vision I feel like God has for us in this new year is to do a new work. God is doing a new thing. You know, and so, God, what is it that you want to do that you want us to attempt that if you don't come through, God, we, it ain't going to happen. So we want to attempt the impossible in this new year. And we, wanna, we really want to try to do some things that are new that have never been done before because we believe that God is leading us to do those things. Not just because we want to do it to be different, but we're trying things. We're willing to try things. And so when I think about that big give offering, 
I thought about this. Hey, you know, what if you know if, if you don't give it to a talking faith? What if you sell that? Whatever you get off that, you put it towards the big give offering. Here's the thing: you're investing in the kingdom. You're investing in missions. You're, you're drilling water wells. You're feeding kids. You're, you're equipping people. You're putting the Bible in their hand. And so instead of, hey, I just need more stuff, what if we were to give away some of the stuff and let, say, you know what, God, whatever I've had that I don't need, God, I want it to be used for somebody else or at least invest in your kingdom. And, and so look at these, these next steps and we're done. Number one is realize how I manage what I have now determines what I can be trusted with. Don't miss that concept. If you can't be trusted to manage what you have now, if you can't be trusted to do what God tells you to do now with your resources, don't expect Him to bless you with more. You, you just got to understand, how I manage what I have now determines what I can be trusted with. If you're wondering why you're not wealthier than you, than you are now, or richer than you are now, maybe it's because God can't trust you with what He's given you already. But you've got to be able to say, God, I want, you to, I want you to be able to trust me. I want to be obedient. I want to line up with your word. I want to be willing to give. And, God, I want to be, I want to be generous. And here's the thing. If each of us become generous, let me tell you what we have. We have a generous church who is able to bless and give to the community and able to bless and give to those who have need. And, and so we, as the people, make up the church. Here's the last one. Today I choose to align myself, align myself with Jesus' teaching and not the world's claims. Today... Make a choice. Say, you know what? Today, I am choosing from this point forward to line up with Jesus' teaching and not the claims of the world that more is going to satisfy me. But if anything, I realize that today it's about giving. Today it's about blessing. Today it's about letting go of stuff and not letting it hang on me. But I'm, I'm giving things away. And so, man, you're talking about something practical. That's something you can say, you know what? God, I don't need that. I want to bless somebody with it. So you either give it to somebody or you sell it and you give it to the kingdom. But you just say, you know what? That's been holding on to me. And it becomes a burden, just managing all this junk. And maybe all that climate control storage that you've got, that you're paying however much a month for, that you never even go up there and look at, you never even do anything. Maybe you just go up there and say, you know what? We're giving it away. We're going to bless somebody with it. We're going to sell it. We're going to do whatever. And, and so you've just got to be willing to take those steps. But here's what I'm saying. It's today that decision needs to be made. Now, here's what Satan will tell you. Hey, I wouldn't do that today. You might, you might make an emotional decision. No, you're making a spiritual decision. You're making a spiritual decision. You're saying, you know what, God, today, I want to line up with your word. God, today, I want to line up with Jesus' teaching when it comes to finances. Jesus' teaching when it comes to money. Jesus' teaching when it comes to blessings. And so you say, you know what, today, I make that choice. There may be some of you in here today, you've never accepted Christ. You've never received the greatest gift that you'll ever see. The greatest blessing that you'll ever see is salvation. And it only comes through your faith in what Christ has done. Think about what Jesus did. Jesus gave his life. Jesus poured out his blood. Jesus literally took your sins upon him. And he, here's the thing. He will wipe them away. When we put our faith in who Christ is and what he's done. And here's the thing. When we surrender our life to him. We say, Jesus, I confess to you that I'm a sinner. I give you my life. And we become a bond servant of Christ rather than a slave to this world. I'm just telling you there's things you can't can't measure it's not stuff that you own but it's things you receive through the work of the holy spirit like love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and gentleness and faithfulness you know self-control goodness i mean there's there's, there's so many good things and, and here's the thing nobody can take those away from you when you die you know what it's not like you have to leave all that behind you know it's one of those cool things where you know what it's not something temporal it is something that is eternal some of you guys might say, you know what, 
Man, I want to share my story. There's nothing like sharing your testimony. Someone might hear it, respond to Christ by faith, put their faith in Christ. You know what that is? That's eternal. That's eternal. And so we've got to be willing to say, you know what? God, help me to realize that how I manage things now determines what I'll be trusted with. And then the other one is make that decision today. Today. Not going to put it off. I'm not going to think I'm going to choose today to line up with Jesus' teaching and not the claims of the world. Let me ask you just to bow your heads and close your eyes. And just ask God, God, what, what needs to give today? God, what needs to change today? Many in this room, most of the people in this room would say that they're believers. Are you in alignment with God's Word? Are you, are you looking at your resources, what you have, the way that Jesus teaches? Because life is not measured by what you own. How do you measure your life? How do you measure your impact? There may be some of you in here today, you know what? You need to go home and you need to give some stuff away. Maybe you need to sell some stuff. Maybe you just need to bless somebody. There may be some of you in here today that you've never received Jesus Christ. You've never asked Jesus to come into your life, to forgive you, to be your Lord, to be your Savior. I mean, let me tell you, that's the greatest gift you'll ever receive. And so you might ask, how do you do that? It's as simple as to say, Jesus, I believe that you are the Son of God. I believe that you died for me. Jesus, I believe that you died on that cross. You gave your life for me. God, thank you for being such a giving God. God, Father, you gave your Son. Thank you for being such a loving Father. And so today you say, Jesus, I want to give you my life. I want to become a bondservant, doing your work, sharing your love, and blessing others. So Jesus, with all the faith that I have, I ask you to forgive me of my sins, and I ask you to come into my life and change the direction of my life. I want to quit living the way I've been living. Jesus, I want to live for you. So by faith, by faith, I trust all the faith that I have. The Bible says that you will be his child. You're adopted into his family, and you become part of the kingdom of God, part of the family of God. If you just prayed that prayer... If you don't mind, man, if you would let us know so that we can walk with you. There's a connect card there in front of you. You can you can put it on there. Hey, today I, I gave my life to Christ. Or you can walk back here to the back, the VIP room. We have a, a room back there with people that will pray with you and help you with the next steps. We'll even bless you with a Bible. We'll give you a Bible. And that Bible will help you to grow in your faith and help you to take those next steps. There may be some of you in this room today that... Maybe you haven't taken the step of joining the church. Man, we, we've got Connect class today. We'd love for you to be a part of that. Let me just tell you, one of the things that we want to do as a church, we want to be generous. We want to bless people. We want to invest in the kingdom. And so maybe today it's time for you to take that step. Say, so you know what? I want to line up with this church. And I want to be a part of what God is doing through Journey. Father, I thank you for meeting with us today. God, I thank you that we are rich. We don't apologize for it. God, we are a rich church. We are a rich people. We are rich individuals. God, I realize there are some in this room that may be struggling just to pay bills. Father, they're going through a tough time and they don't feel rich. God, I pray that they know that we don't make light of that. So God, when we look around us and we look at the world and we look at all that you've blessed us with, we are rich. Father, true life, true life is not measured in money. It's not measured in what we own. But, Father, true life only comes through you. So, God, I pray for every one of us that we would walk out of here today choosing to choose, choosing to accept and receive that 
that true life, real life, that only comes through Christ. Father, lead us, use us, and Father, help us be a blessing today to someone. In Jesus' name.